0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Propaganda, the property podcast brought to you by Stanford Sales and Lettings. As always, got me, Jack, the manager of our Catford office, uh, and I'm joined by James, the director and manager of our Forest Hill branch. Uh, Alex is still away, and I think he's back for the the final episode next week, Um, but we will crack on, same as last week. In today's pod, we're gonna be talking about selling whilst the property is tenanted, we've got a great jargon buster for you this week. We're also gonna be looking at the top five things to speed up your sale or purchase. Uh, And as always, I've got a fact for you. We're also gonna talk about a little bit, briefly touch on the thought process and action behind what goes into evaluation, um, how we prepare and what we do when we get into them. Um, I mean, as we always kick off the podcast, don't we? Generally with media and what's in the news and, and whatnot. I think it's constantly still surrounded by interest rates. I mean, I don't know about you, but. I can't sit here and just talk about it. It's driving, me, it's just boring. I can't listen to it any longer on the media. Right, it's, it's just it's just me every mad. week, isn't it? It's yeah. Another kind of
1: negative interest rate. Oh, this has gone up. That's gone up seven percent. It's. It, I think the interesting thing is the number of cash buyers at the moment yeah. seems to have, um, yeah, not really be affecting that many. Yeah, it's not with...
0: Yeah, it's strange. I do know yeah. we're kind of going to It is strange. Like, you think... You read that a lot and you get... I find it's more people who, weirdly and bizarrely, like some of my mates who have maybe bought within the last year, mm. who have got a two or three-year fixed term, they're the ones who seem to go on about the interest rates more. And I'm like, why do you care, mate? It's not going to affect you for another year no, like, or so. They're worried about it, aren't they? More so than people who are actually looking out yeah. and buying. They seem to just accept it or, as you say, be... Yeah. Cash buyers.
1: We've had quite a few offers coming in from cash buyers. Just like it doesn't affect them. Funny enough, the valuation I've just come from, um, they're going to be selling up and they'll be buying cash. Yeah. So it's yeah, all of a sudden I think things have changed a bit now. Um cash buyers are back around because we, we haven't seen a lot of cash for the last few years, but then borrowing was so cheap, it was kind of why Why would you what, yeah. yeah, exactly. So I think it's just a slight change. But it is it is getting boring reading the headlines, I have to say. Yeah. Just every week it's another headline about You know, interest rates have gone up again, mortgage rates have gone up again.
0: Boring. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) Swiftly moving on to our first topic, um, which I think is pretty relevant at the moment, given the fact that we've got more properties than what I can remember on the market from landlords who are selling. Um, It's probably more in the forefront of my mind this week because we have a property that's tenanted that we are trying to sell at the moment with the tenant in there. Uh, so I just wanted to get your view on some of the things that people may come across and some advice on if you are selling or buying a property that has got a tenant in it at the moment.
1: I think it's easier to start at the beginning. If you're if you are a landlord who's looking at selling, um the the first step is really to talk to your tenant about it and get your tenant on board. Because as we know from doing it for donkeys years, the the tenant can make a big difference in terms of all aspects of the sale in terms of the marketing in terms of the viewing process you want your tenant to be on board because ultimately if they're not on board you are going to have problems selling that that flat or that house whatever it is so the the advice that i always give to our clients when they phone in and sort of decide they're going to go down that road is say look you know if we're managing it we'll have a chat with the tenant we'll explain the process Um, and i think it's always a good idea to quid pro quo offer offer a rent reduction on the basis that actually you want to make sure that they're on board so you know it's a two-way street at the end of the day for you for you as a landlord to kind of say to a tenant that I know it's not ideal but for whatever reason we need to we need to put the property on the market Um, we know it's going to be an inconvenience to you and we would appreciate your help um, with ensuring that the property is kind of viewing ready, being looked after, um, you know, if you're if you're happy to vacate so the agent can do viewings, brilliant. But if you are going to be there, if you know, just try and talk about the the positives of the property when asked. Um, I, I think to offer them a hundred quid, two hundred quid off the rent is actually a very sensible thing for a landlord to do to ensure that actually the property is marketed the best it can be and the viewings work well as well because there's i mean we we've done it over the years where actually a landlord has upset a tenant and you're kind of going in and doing viewings, and they're basically telling every applicant that walks through the door how much they hate their landlord yeah. everything that they haven't done with the property you know there's just mess everywhere beds aren't made washing up and you just you kind of look at these places and you go if if this wasn't the situation and actually the property was clear We'd have no problem selling it and you can go on for weeks and weeks and weeks trying to sell something with a tenant that's actually working against you rather than with you.
0: Yeah, we have a vendor at the moment who, I don't actually think the tenants are, I don't know obviously because I'm not you know in there all the time, but we, it's a little bit messy to be fair, like when you do the viewings, it's not the same as like you know, a nice home, sometimes you know with the diffusers and everything when you go in and do the viewings, it's a little bit more on the messy side, they've got a couple of dogs and stuff. Um, that follow you around and all of the viewings but the vendor's like well they've got an invested interest for me not to sell it haven't they and I'm like it's interesting the thought process on that side that they're like well they want to stay there the tenants don't want to move mm. but I'm like I don't know if they're deliberately doing that like no. you'd hope to see the good in people
1: I, I'd say, I think most people are inherently there. there is as humans, we tend to want to help people out. Yeah. The only time, as I said, that we ever really see it is when actually the landlord's done something to upset their tenants, and and then you're kind of as an agent, you're on the back foot at that point. But I think you money does an awful lot to repair relationships and to help motivate people to do things. And I think a, a small reduction in rent is actually a very small price to pay, given. You know that situation there, for example. You know it's hard to quantify, but I've definitely looked at properties and gone. You know, we if we let if if we put this on the market while it's got a tenant in it versus while it hasn't, you could be looking at fifteen grand difference between the offer prices, for example. Because and that's the difference, one, though, it isn't make. it?
0: Because what if you and this is what I always find with the ones that are tenanted is when people say you know what do you think should I do with the tenants in tenants out mm. i'd say it always largely comes down to the tenants but yes there's also an element of it where you might have a landlord who you know the interest rates that everyone keeps talking about mm. have gone up or they're on a variable rate now they can't afford to have that property empty like they literally just physically can't afford to do so yeah yep. so they're kind of at the mercy of but that's having that
1: that's why I say that a rent reduction actually generally wins people over because if you are in that situation, it's a lot easier to take a couple of hundred quid off and actually still have the tenant in there, still paying a rent, still paying the bills, so rather than having it sitting vacant, and at least hopefully as a result of that you've got them on board. They're keeping the place as tidy as they can, and, and at least you're you're sort of doing the best that you can out of the situation. Whereas the ones where actually, you know, they're They've just increased the rent on the tenant. Haven't done anything, you know. Haven't told them what the plan is. All of a sudden, estate agents on the
0: phone to so them, like, "Oh, can we come around and do a valuation?" Yeah. They're like, "What?" You, you know, do get we, it, don't you? When yeah. you do the when you do the valuation, you get because quite often you'll go and meet the tenant directly. Yep. And the landlord will say to you, or whoever books it in at the office, there'll be a note that says, "Don't want to spook the tenant." Yeah. And it's like, well, what?
1: And and I get I do get that though because for some people they just need to know the figures before yeah, they yeah. can make a decision. So I do. I do understand that but I also think that you need to be honest with people like it's one thing getting an agent around and doing the valuation just so you've got a figure and kind of saying to them look please you know just just go in and say you're looking at it for a remortgage or something um, but it's another thing when it's kind of like oh yeah yeah we want to go ahead particularly you know it's different if we're managing it because we've got the relationship with the tenant but yeah, if I find it's that a lot easier when yeah i do it as well but if it's a property where actually you know we've we've not found the tenants we've had nothing to do with it and the landlord kind of instructs you and goes right get it on the market there's my tenant's details i've had it where i've run the tenant and the tenant's got no idea you know i've rung them thinking yeah. the landlord's had a whole conversation with them they're like yeah yeah just contact my tenant they'll they'll open the door and let you in for photos and the tenants come to me well, landlord selling Uh, yeah yeah. yeah. um so i just think but then that's that's the humanity side of things isn't it i think you know it's it's all people just need to think about actually how things affect other people it's very easy to focus on ourselves but you know this is these people's homes just because they're a tenant it doesn't mean you know they don't own the property it doesn't mean it's not their home it is their home and, and i think that has to be respected and as long as you do that I'd say in most cases, actually, it works out all right.
0: The better one is when it's managed by another agent and then you have to go through the other agent who's managed it to try and arrange the viewing because the I'm tenant sorry, don't want to deal with another estate agent yeah, because yeah. they don't like their managing agent. That one always goes, uh, goes around in houses. That's um, a fun one. In terms of like pitfalls and things like that, the biggest, I mean, there's two really that I see, but one of them is the juggling act, I suppose, of when to hand the tenant notice. Yeah. that's that's always a tough one difficult one isn't it because you like i was saying you might not be in a position where you can afford to have it vacant but then you know you might not you might have a buyer who's going to go well i'm not going to as a landlord you obviously need to give them two months notice unless you can agree something and negotiate it yeah but you might have the buyer who goes i'm not making two months with the way
1: lettins is at the moment trying to find another home is very difficult so most tenants aren't in a position to kind of be like
0: yeah you know we'll be out in three weeks yeah, so it's do tough. you get them out first? Because obviously then you're going to get a solicitor who isn't going to exchange on it until it's vacant possession.
1: Yeah, from the buyer's side. a general rule, yeah. Well, until, until it's empty. Um, yeah, it's, it's a tricky one. I mean, I I don't talk dates in terms of exchanging and completions until the very end of the process anyway. As a, as a general rule, it doesn't matter whether it's a you know chain free property, property with a tenant in it, long chain, because I think it's generally speaking, it's too premature to discuss dates until everything is ready. Um, the difficulty is, as you said, you've got to give a two month notice, and actually, if you wait until everything is ready, you you by default have delayed things two months because of that notice period. I think there's there's normally a but how a do you point, get around that? How? Well, there's normally a point in time. Within the inquiries where a good estate agent, a good solicitor can kind of look at what the inquiries are and advise a client, you could probably serve notice now, you know, because this should be wrapped up within the next three, four weeks, which then just gives you a bit more lead time just in case. You got another few weeks to sort things out but i wouldn't be doing it until you know buyers have got their mortgage offer if they're buying with a mortgage building surveys done um you know the inquiries are very very advanced and maybe you're just going backwards and forwards over a couple of um sort of easy bits that might take a bit of time just to sort out you know missing documents for example that need to be ordered missing fences certificates things like that where actually you know they're, they're quite simple to sort out and they shouldn't really delay a transaction but I think if you do it too prematurely, yeah, unfortunately, you you end up in a situation where it you could end up with no tenant, no income for two months, which actually for a landlord who's then on higher mortgage rates and all the rest of it now could become quite uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. So,
0: but it's it's very tricky. They're the main two I see, really. To be honest with you, is as a seller and a buyer is, um, yeah, the trying to know when to hand in notice and the vacant possession. They're, I mean, then they kind of tie hand in hand, don't they? But what do you mean by vacant possession? Well, so when the they won't allow the they won't let you exchange until the tenant's moved out, will they? Because Uh, what if you exchange on it and then the tenant goes, "Great, I'm not moving out." As you just said, it's hard to find somewhere. I mean, that's
1: that's just about the property being vacant. Um, Yeah, which most solicitors, as we know, if not all, um, these days won't do it. Even with the signed document from the tenant saying, you know, I, I confirm that I will leave by said date, they still don't do it um yeah so it's a very tricky one because it is an it's a faith kind of um game isn't it in terms of both sides have have to have faith with each other the buyer has to have faith that the landlord is going to serve notice um within a reasonable time frame because inevitably at the moment you know they they're going to have their own concerns about expiring mortgages and all the rest of it after it's been through that process and the landlord has to have faith that the tenant is going to exchange once the tenant's out and not leave them sort of stuck between a rock and a hard place so it's it's a very tricky one it probably is one as you said it's one of those few sort of situations that we deal with where it is a bit of a leaf of faith rather than actually based on um any sort of you you are taking a risk simple as that you know it is a risk and but you
0: you got to do it. There's no other way. I generally find with the tenants, if you've been a good landlord, they're pretty good, the tenants, as a general rule. Like you say earlier, now, if you've Quip been... Quid pro quo. Yeah, exactly. So much yeah. street. I, I, I generally find that. Then ones are a lot easier to kind of deal with. Yeah. Um, to get them through. And yeah, I'd be honest, most of them you get... I say to all of our landlords who list, don't hand them notice you know, until we are quite far throughout the process. Because yeah. some people go, I'm going to list, I'll hand them notice. Yes, like, no, 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 whoa, no, 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 don't do that. i haven't even got you an offer yet. Um, and sometimes if you don't get it actually under offer, I suppose the rental market, you know, is busy. And if you're in a position, you could always like look to re-rent it. I said to a few people at the moment, look, we, we'll try and sell it. If we can't get the money that you need or the figure that you need, the rental market is very strong at the moment. So let's, yeah. let's look to re-rent it. Yeah, it's nice that the option's there.
1: But as you said earlier, you know, for some landlords, actually, even the re-rental isn't an option because the figures just aren't there, even with the increase in rents. You know, if rents may well have gone up, you know, 30, 40 percent, whatever it is. But actually, if your mortgage costs have gone up by more than that, which,
0: depending on your exposure, they could well have done, doesn't matter. It's... Still if it, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but say if you were in a situation then where everyone just said, "Oh, okay, let's just exchange, let's go through it, let's do it." Mm. The tenants are still in there, but they're ha- they're nice enough; they're going to move out. Mm. If say you then exchange on it, that then completes. Yeah. What? Who? What, that's down to the new owner to get the tenants out, not the old landlord. Yeah, it'd be the new owner's problem. Yeah. The new owner owns the property. Even and that, and the tenancies the with the old. Yeah, it doesn't matter. There's a new owner. So they'd have to serve them. Yeah, fine. Well, wow, fair. Yeah. So yeah. Well, that's why they won't do it then, isn't it?
1: Well, they they won't do it because if the tenant stays on it, instantly puts you in breach of your mortgage terms yeah. if you're buying on a residential. So from the solicitor's point of view, it's a, yeah, massive, it's a massive, massive right risk because yeah. they're the ones who given the client the advice that they can exchange. Mm. And then that tenant doesn't move out. It's well, who who do you think is going to suffer the consequences yeah. of this. it's going to be the solicitor you you told me we could exchange and it
0: would all be fine um just something i thought i don't suppose this is a massive big topic that we'll cover in detail but i just thought it'd be quite interesting for people who you know a lot of you meet a lot of people who are like quite intrigued when you're an estate agent or mm-hmm. certainly a valuer and they're like how do you do that how do you get to those yep. valuations i thought it'd be quite interesting to give a, a bit of an insight a bit of i don't know behind the scenes as to what actually goes into a valuation before you go and value it I'll just make it up as I go along, mate. (laughs) I think so many reviews. (laughs) I think think some people do, to be fair. They do. do. Or they must look at it and just go, I'm just going to add. Yeah.
1: I I did one earlier where a client said to me the previous estate agent they'd had in had been looked around and kind of basically said, oh, you know, this is so different to anything I've seen. Um, I can't give you a figure. I need to go away and do some more research. Was it different? two bedroom conversion flat and <laughs> 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 uh, that's the uh, one so, that always gets me yeah. Was, yeah they just don't know do yeah. they and then it's I, like, I've
0: got to go back to the office and ask yeah. whoever for a brief yeah. advice it,
1: it was a strange conversation put it that way um here and that because it was just two bedroom conversion flat i mean they they messed about they would sort of converted the loft space um not done it with building regs so it's a kind of loft room in inverted commas. so it is it is slightly different but not different enough that you couldn't kind of put a value on it if you've if you've sold a couple of properties nearby over the last six eight weeks whatever it is you kind of certainly for me
0: it wasn't i didn't think it was a particularly nice flat but not a difficult valuation i would say it's very very i can't even think of an occasion where i've gone to one and thought i don't know the price of that yeah. you know don't get me wrong you you do all of your research beforehand don't you you look at all of the comparables what else yeah. is sold in the area etc cetera, etc cetera, but it's very rare unless you had a completely unique one like it'd be good if alex was here because he valued one in hiver green didn't he? he's obviously valued there for like six seven years gets them all like bang on and he was like i actually had to walk away from it i, was like, I need to do a bit more research on it and he's obviously done his research first because like, i need to see it yeah. to do it it was the old um was it the old hospital you know where the meridian south is it was like the house thing
1: oh yeah that yeah was that, that was there. a really the and gate that was about a year ago yeah
0: yeah still on the market <laughs> not with us
1: no, but they also put it on hundred grand more than Alex. Specialist yeah, than Alex um,
0: said, and lo and behold, it hasn't and sold. I think it came off like three hundred grand more. Yeah. yeah, there is a. I mean, there's one or two that you've been in that spring to mind. What's the maddest one that you've ever? Can you think of anything to mind? Springs to mind like the mat. I don't know if "maddest" is the oh, right mate, term. I, I went
1: into one recently, which was I've never seen anything like it. it so it was a conversion flat again, um, and. It had been it was like Frankenstein's monster the way this thing had been extended. It was just like an extension on an extension, different levels. There is no way it had any building regulations. The layout was just you kind of walked it was like a maze. But then I got out to the back. There's a raised concrete platform, a sheer drop of about eight foot, and just this underground cellar that was absolutely full of water. Um, it was just, it was nuts. It's one of the weirdest properties I think I've ever been in. Did it come on? No, I, I, it was a repossession. I kind of phoned the guy oh, and right. said, I, I actually don't know what you want me to do with this. Going back to what and I you say like earlier the maze,
0: about, was it all like internal windows? Yeah, there was so internal like, so yeah, 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 exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: exactly that. um But it was a repossession, and, and the guy was kind of like, Oh, what do you think it's going to get? Was like, <laughs> knocked down. That's what I think, that's what it needs um because it was i kind of looked at it and was like i'm i'm not actually sure that this is structurally sound um it was that bad um i kind of said i i can't do anything with this you need to go and get a structural engineer to look at it first and foremost and actually decide whether or not this should be standing and there was an upstairs flat in there as well who'd also converted the loft and the basement was not original so they built the basement. Was it the same owner for upstairs? No, no, no. It's a different owner. When when I had to, go, I went round there for the repossession the first time, and the tenants were still in there, and they opened the door. Sorry, the owners were still in there. Opened the door, and the guys just got a Ducati motorbike in the middle of the hallway. Nice. And it's just, I mean, I know that obviously in London you're worried about your sort of pride and joy, yeah, but um, in the middle, middle of, of the your hallway.
0: hallway, big hallway, then no, um. no
1: sorry, <laughs> he's trying to climb past it to. To show the guy around, yeah, it was, it was just an absolute... I've, yeah, I've never seen anything quite like it. And to be honest, I'd be quite pleased not to see anything like it again because yeah. it, it was
0: horrendous. We had one in the Corbett estate, which was a double-fronted one. And you always obviously do... I mean, you've, I'm very thorough before I go and look at them. I always Google view it, comparable. Is there extensions? Is there not? You know, look at everything. You've got a good idea. Well, even if you've not sold one, maybe on that road of an extension, well... That one on the road down had an extension or we sold the one there without the extension. So you've always got a good idea as to what it's going to be. And I was Google mapping it. I did this review the other day on one of them, funnily enough, um, as to what I viewed. I I Google aerial viewed it and I was like, what is that in the garden? It was like this thing. I've just like never, I couldn't work out what it was. I'm trying to get on like the 3D view and it was like, it was like an outbuilding but it was massive in the garden. It was this, it was round and it had like a, spiral roof like it was the weirdest thing I'd ever seen I was like I don't know what that is so anyway like it looked pretty big but not was like was it a folly what's the mm-hmm. folly a folly um, they used to... go on finish, finish their... yeah. I'll come back to what folly so, is but... so <laughs> there's one of the dragon bus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and I um, so I went round there and I was like yeah look I'll have a good idea you know what I mean it's probably an outbuilding or something I'll be able to work out in my head as I'm valuing the rest of it when I get to that I'll have a pretty good idea what it's worth and then I'll add that on and then that's where you land at the valuation. And this thing went in there. It was like Narnia. It was the maddest thing I've ever seen, yeah? It didn't look enormous from the outside, but you went in and it was just massive. But it had like, no, like you see in this building, it's got obviously the roof and it goes across. It went up in a spiral, but there was nothing like across. So it was just like, you look straight up and it was just all like, like a church or something. It was the craziest thing. And it had like, I mean, the people who owned it, He had, I'd say, hundreds of thousands of pianola scrolls in there and a pianola. And he went in there and, like, one of the, he had a few pianolas. I think that's what they did. It was like playing pianolas and stuff. And I was like, what have I taken? Where am I? What have I walked into here? So I was like, I can't. And I think it just then started spinning me out, where I was like, I don't know what I've walked into here. Like, literally, like Narnia. And then I walked out and I was like, yeah, I'm going to have to come back. Like, that was one of them where I was like, I'm going to have to come back to you. And I rung Ben, our director, and was like, oh, I've just been into the craziest but bl- I, need- I can't even think. And he was like, just tell me what it is. And I was like, I don't know. I can't describe to you what <laughs> I've just been to Narnia. I was like, you need to come and see it. I can't describe to you what I've just walked into. Um, so that was a weird one. Did he go and see it? yeah 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 yeah. couldn't work out either (laughs) i think he did and then i was like i've got an idea and then he was like yeah you would probably say x amount blah blah right um but that was a very strange one and they still didn't sell it in the end it was weird they were like they'd agreed a sale in scotland and they'd agreed to be able to move their pianola scrolls into scotland but not sell that either it was just like the most random valuation i've ever been on and I was like, yeah, it was annoying as well because like, it's definitely like an expensive one. And I thought, like, I just, I don't. And I thought, whoever, whatever agent wins that, and maybe we were a little bit too honest, where I was like, look, I just genuinely, I don't know. I thought, whatever agent wins that, they're winging it. You just, no one's going to know. Yeah, you a, do occasionally get those, don't you? Where you look at it one. and you're like,
1: we yeah. can try this. Yeah, it's so unusual, got. the right person on the right day. Yeah. And um, sometimes you
0: do get them, don't you? Where you go, like, hmm. I'll maybe ring you or Alex or yeah. somebody and go. Oh, you know, there's one I'm not too sure. What do you think? It's like you know, lick your finger and put it in the air. Yeah, try and figure it out. Yeah,
1: Seek we. I, I saw one a few years back where it was just. It was one of those where they they'd spent an absolute fortune on it. But you know, when you kind of see people have spent money, but every decision they've made has been wrong. It's yeah. you're, you're like you've obviously spent money on this, but why did you do that? You've obviously spent money on this, but why did you do that? And yeah, though I find those quite um tricky. They're difficult, quite tri- they're difficult yeah. conversations because you get other agents that walk in and like, oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. You kind of standing there going, I really feel uncomfortable because the price I'm gonna tell you is gonna make you very unhappy. Yeah. But also this is so unique to your taste that trying to get someone else to buy into it just isn't is very unlikely to happen. So you're almost having to value it in the same way you would value something that hasn't been touched for 30 years because you know whoever buys it is going He's to going want to rip to it all it out, out and start again the um, one
0: that i always remember like that was um where they redid it was on the road by our oh, green office remember and he redid the, he was like we value i think either you valued it or ben valued it maybe you was way i'm pretty sure it was you you mm-hmm. valued it and they was like we're going to put a new kitchen in You like don't do it whoever buys it is going to put in a new kitchen put in a new kitchen do you remember they installed a cherry red Kitchen, oh yeah. And he, um, we sold it in the end, and he was like, "That's gonna sell it." I think he was even like, put that as the front photo, yeah, the kitchen. Yeah. That's what's gonna sell it. And we're like, you yeah, know, fair enough, each to their own in the taste, but you know, it's not everyone's cup of tea. It's yeah, not yeah. like a neutral kitchen. It's quite bold. And then we sold it, didn't we? And then like the buyer was like, I think I did the viewing. He's like, I'm gonna rip that straight out. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, oh, sure. please don't tell yeah, him that. Yeah. I was like, just keep that quiet. And then he yeah. drove past, didn't he? and It was in the skip. Yeah. And he came in oh. our office ranting at us. Was like, well often we've not bought it, have we? It's not it's not down to us. You could have saved yourself. yeah Twenty I think he spent a lot of money on that kitchen as well. Yeah, um but yeah, it is interesting. One thing that I always do with evaluation as well is and you can't really put a figure on it, but the neighbours. It's hard. Isn't yeah, you've got to look at the neighbours though. You have to.
1: Because you know anyone. But would who's you gonna... value
0: it at the same amount? Say if you've got two neighbour beautiful houses either side but the, you've got another one where there's a HMO next door and there's yep. a, I don't know, it's all run down next door, decrepit so That's a house. good
1: question. What do you reckon is easier to sell? Scruffy house with beautiful neighbours either side or beautiful house with scruffy neighbours either side?
0: A scruffy house with beautiful neighbours. Yeah. They say, don't they, always buy the worst house on the best mm. street, not the best house on the worst street.
1: Yeah, true.
0: Is what they always say. That's so it. Yeah, I'd say that one. But I would go, I, if I was valuing it, I'd be quite honest with them and say, look, these are the comparables there is obviously an issue here with that neighbour. Yeah, the HMO is the big one around where we are. HMOs are becoming more you know, of a problem, aren't that's they? That's the big one yeah. where you you tend to probably value it at the same, but you'd just be saying that just be aware the offers might not be. You know, you might. It's harder to sell. Yeah, yeah. It, as soon as less, there's a HMO next, lot, it's harder to sell.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's still we still price the same, but there's no doubt. Like you get less, yeah, you get less offers as a result because people are just like, no, I don't want to live next to HMO. The problem is though with the whole neighbour thing is that there's nothing actually to stop um, your your neighbours from selling or doing it anyway. You know, even when you do move in, you live next door to lovely people. There's nothing to stop them sticking it on the market and a investor buying it and converting it or them doing it themselves. So it's, I mean, it's it's one of the London risks, isn't it? We we've kind of always said about. When people kind of raise issues with, all oh, the neighbour's about to do an extension. It's like, so. At least you're you know going to party it, wall there now. If you well, ever wanted to. Do it. At least you know what they're doing <laughs> yeah. at this point, because the truth is, you could have bought it six months ago, and actually, six months down the line, they're like, right, we're going to do an extension, and at least now you know what's coming, rather than it being a surprise. And ultimately, once it's built, to anyone new, they don't know anyone anything different.
0: Yeah, we sold one to a, next door to a HMO, and we struggled with it. We, you know, it's a beautiful house, but we did kind of struggle with mm. it a little bit. To be fair, the people weren't selling it because of that. The thing that we had the problem with is it was midway through, so it hadn't actually become a HMO yet. Right. They were doing it up. Okay. And to be fair, the vendors were like, look, he's like not like your typical developer. He's knocked on our doors. I've got others in the... Like, in the estate, yeah, everyone who I rent to, they're all of a very high quality. I've got everyone in on like, you know, I know the rental market's maybe like twelve hundred quid a room or whatever it was. Yeah. So he's like, they're all professional people who I'm getting in here, and the guys who eventually bought it, the um the husband or boyfriend, whatever, he's like, mate, I used to live in like a house with my uni mates. A HMO of professional people next to it. nothing to me. I'd yeah. much rather live next to that than then, next to, yeah. you know, the house that we lived in as students. so Yeah. I'll easily take that. Yeah, fair enough. Um, cool. The jargon buster, or oh, anything else you wanted to add?
1: On the valuation side of things? Yeah, anything? Yeah, I think just a bit of advice really for people in terms of when they're when they're looking at sort of values. There's, the information's actually all out there. Um, you can very easily as a buyer or a vendor, I think in most cases, determine roughly what the value of the property is. 100%. By... Having a quick look in your local area, you know, most of us have an idea anyway, start at that figure and just see what the competition is and start, you know, compare your home to or the home you're wanting to buy to what else is out there. But what you do need to remember, and I think what a lot of people forget is they will base their value on the list price. The list price doesn't mean anything you want to be looking at actually the stuff that's under offer so just yeah. make sure you tick the filters see the stuff that's under offer and then you can actually have a look and kind of go well you know mine mine is very similar to this one that sold uh, there's another one that's on 50 grand more that hasn't sold you know that's telling you an awful lot as well um it obviously isn't worth as much as that if it's been on the market for months and months at one price and it's 50 grand more than all the other comparable properties well it, it isn't worth that money and um, so I think it's it's a good exercise for people to do both in terms of vendors when they are looking or trying to sense check what agents have said, particularly at the moment where there's, I don't know if you're finding it, but we're finding it down here. I mean, just the one I did earlier, there was a 50 grand difference oh, yeah, on a yeah, yeah. on a two bedroom flat between the two agents, you know, myself you're and the in. other one. Yeah, but I, I did one the other day, mate, was 175 grand difference between the price on, on a house, you know, a bog standard yeah. two and a half bed house. 175 grand difference between mm-hmm. all, all the um, agent's prices. So I think it's really important that homeowners and buyers actually just have a look for themselves and kind of see what they think the property is worth based on the competition, and particularly the competition that has sold. Because reality is, anything that hasn't sold shouldn't really form your basis for, for value because it's not sold.
0: I say to everyone, I value with, I will ask them, what did you think in your head before you had anyone around? Yeah, what did you think? And they'll say, and I will generally say, look, if I've said what you're thinking, it's probably bang on. And if mm. you look at that from a buyer's point of view, they've got the same information as you. So yeah. they're not silly. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, uh, the jargon buster this week, probably a bit relevant given what we've been talking about earlier, uh, is protected tenant. Yep what does uh,
1: protected mean? tenant is different from most of the more modern tenants so basically they they're tenants that are protected under legislation in terms of essentially the, the nuts and bolts of it is as a landlord if you have a protected tenant you can't move them out um simple what, as that why why because they're protected they so you can't you can't serve them notice um they have a legal right to remain in the but property how you,
0: why how do you get that because it. Have they got have been there for a certain amount of time? I think it's
1: 1977 when the legislation came in for protected tenants. Um, it, it's just about the point in time when, when they rented. Oh, so, right. un, under the Act, they are protected by the provisions of that Act, which ultimately mean a landlord essentially can't move them out. Um, and they are also um, protected from the rental point of view in terms of the value as well so the landlord can't just up the rent on them they they can get incremental increases so what yeah so it is it is possible that the rent gets reviewed um but ultimately for yeah if you're a protected tenant you're i mean you what and that's only if won you've the been in there in since 1977 cases. it the legislation came in for the specific protected tenants of today in right. No, I think it's 1977. Don't quote me on it. um But essentially, what what it means is, as as a landlord, unfortunately, the the result of it is a you can't move the tenant out of your own accord. You have to wait for them to give notice. And I'm pretty sure they it also passes on to the next generation. So what are you
0: going to do then? So what are you going to do then if you're you've got that property? Let's so say there's a mortgage on it. Mm. You've had it on interest only. It's now gone up to six seven percent that we keep hearing. Your interest rate's gone through the roof. You can't afford the mortgage, then it gets repossessed.
1: Most people that have protected tenants, the properties have been passed down from one generation this to the isn't next. It's, it's it. Right. Very, yeah. And also because the nature of protected tenancies has an impact on value. You don't value a property that's got a protected, te- or you shouldn't be valuing a property that's right. got a protected tenancy um, at, this, at the same market value as the neighbours that doesn't. So you you have to do an adjustment based on it sounds brutal but the age of the tenant yeah um, so the older the tenant is the higher the value of a property.
0: Say I don't know if you know the answer. To this is in my head just spinning thinking about all of this. But say you then, which is probably what the listeners are thinking. Yeah. But say you then, a bit morbid. But say that was me that owned it and I died. Yeah. I had no mortgage on it. Yeah. No family to put. Who gets the Does the tenant then get the house? Or? No.
1: It's like any other asset where um where where there is no family or no will and it, it would just eventually get sold go, they'll chuck it in auction and someone will have to buy it but it will be someone yeah it'll be someone who then takes on the property with the tenant in situ in the knowledge that you can't move them out
0: that is crazy well i've never come across that and i've worked you in have this industry. What, what you mean? have
1: not not directly but um there was a house in hither green that we sold um I won't, I won't name the road but red door ceiling fell in at one point point. Um, and that that was a protected tenant they the reason why we ended up with the sale ah. um, was because it was a protected it was vacant yeah she passed away oh, no she didn't pass away she she left she just walked out one day she sent oh. she sent the owners who had inherited it from their so that was a trust property they, they'd they inherited it I from I just yeah, it was from vacant. their granddad. I think it was Um and couldn't do anything with it and she she literally walked out one day apparently just shut the door sent them a letter say that she she was leaving and, <laughs> and they wow. kind of went oh okay wow. but she wouldn't let them in to do any works apparently so the whole time and that's one of the things with well, the protected tenants well the, the one of the issues with protected tenants is because they are generally older people um there's a lot of misinformation and misunderstanding there and, and we see it quite a lot where Actually, they the tenants think that if they let the landlord in to do works, yeah. they're going to increase the rent on them. So they put up with no no heating, no hot water, you know, holes in the roof because they're paying such small rental amounts. It's like a
0: glorified squatter. Yeah, in a lot of ways, yeah, it is. Um, it's mad. I've done uh, ten years. I think I've been in this industry now. Never knew that. There you go fascinating. Learn something new every day.
1: But yeah, they obviously you know over over the next few decades they will probably all most yeah. of them will fade kind out. of come to an end and mm. fade out absolutely so it won't be such a sort of big topic but um yeah it's it's a very interesting one and i i know we've got um my in-laws friends um are are protected tenants in a flat in chelsea and pay yeah I think of worse places yeah yeah no absolutely I mean they mate the rent they pay is ridiculous. how do I become one of these protected tenants yeah, good luck with that in Chelsea well we'll see with the way tenancy legislation is going we might end up back there at some point yeah Um. but it's yeah it, it is very interesting when you meet people who are protected tenants and you kind of talk to them about their rent it's nuts
0: wow. it's absolutely nuts some of the rents that these people yeah, pay yeah I bet that is happens. Mm. talking of that red door that you were saying a little property fact here. Did you know in Scotland, apparently, if you are mortgage-free, you have a red front door? What? Yeah. I've tried to verify it from someone. From someone was, Scottish. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they hadn't necessarily heard of it, so I don't know how factually correct it is. But, yeah, I read if, in Scotland, if you've got a, people who go mortgage-free or bought it in cash put a red front door on is
1: that just like a, th- a showing off thing or something well, yeah, like so. not everyone Ego, does it but, but some people do to yeah. kind of sh- you know look at me but and then like...
0: i was like well, you're not going to stop anyone painting their door red is it so no i
1: mean my mum's favorite color is red so, so her still... front door was red oh, so is well, that she's protective still... tenant yeah, yeah. <laughs> she so, not cash to be fair through. that was
0: mortgage free though that house though. Well, there you go yeah but, but yeah interesting uh yeah i'm, not, I'm not sure i'm not sure that's a fact factually correct it is but I did look up that that maybe that's a wives' tale, not a fact. Change yeah, I feel it to, like that's a myth. Change it to Jack's wives' tales. Not <laughs> Jack's facts. <laughs>
1: that's a Jack's wives' tales is very yeah. much a different podcast. Um, um, well, yeah.
0: Just um, just before we wrap it up, um, as always, do a little section on the fives. Uh, and the fives today is all about uh, how, what the five things you can do to speed up the process of selling or buying. Yeah. Um, so just rattle them off quickly. Yeah.
1: Um, for, for me, paperwork. Getting your paperwork in order. At the earliest point you know what? before ourselves
0: well, when we was doing this i knew he was going to say that you know because i love my paperwork <laughs> to be great we, correct, we mate. did find in like episode one didn't we and the first thing you said is paperwork paperwork, paperwork mate. It always I mean, it's, all, it's the
1: fundamental it. issue of most sales is People haven't got their paperwork. You know, they've they've had an extension done and forgotten to get their building regs. They've had double glazing put in. They didn't get the fencer certificate. The boiler's been installed and the gas engineer never gave them the um, the installation. It's always the same
0: stuff. Yeah, do you know what? when it comes um, to sell? I reckon I'm going to be one of those people terrible with paperwork. I just am. Um, everyone terrible. is. Every, everyone is. Do you know the the ones I love? Who but are, I would get that in order to be fair before I put it on. If I knew I was doing it, I'd start to get those ducks in a row. Yeah, it's people don't know. I mean, I
1: i'm forever bashing my head against the brick wall with it because people just don't think in the moment and you can't blame them you know if you've done a load of works and actually particularly with things like kitchen extensions and loft conversions where you've had to live through it for three four five six months however long it's it's taken the last yeah Yeah. when when the builders find yeah we're done now let's get building control in exactly um so it it is a common issue um and it's a really simple issue to sort out, just getting the paperwork in order, make sure, you know, you've got everything together, get the stuff out from when you bought it, have a quick check-through, make sure there's nothing in there that the estate agent doesn't need to know. Because the other thing with it is is, you know, if you've got history, the number of times we will ask a client, you know, go through the property information form, let us know if you've got any sort of history in these areas that we need to know about. Like, no, no, no. And then you get six weeks into a transaction, oh, yeah. and something comes up, yeah. and you know the buyer rings you and is like, "Why didn't you tell me there's Japanese knotweed in the garden?" And right. you ring the vendor, you go, "There was Japanese knotweed in there." Oh yeah, yeah, I, yeah, about I forgot about, you about it. It's that. that. like seven years ago now. Yeah. Like it may well have been, but just to the buyer, us. they need to know this stuff. So all all of that kind of stuff, just get it all together. Let the agent know, um, and it just makes everything that much smoother. And then just dump it all
0: on your solicitor so that they can send it all over to the other side straight away. Yeah. Um, I would say a massive one is instruct a good solicitor. I know that's difficult yeah. to quantify. How do you know? I, those very cheap online ones, I just avoid like the plague at all costs. Wouldn't go anywhere yeah. near them. You can never get hold of anyone. That's what makes sales fall through. If you've got a recommendation from a friend, family member, if they are recommending it, I would make sure that you are going with the conveyancer that they recommend, not the firm. Because 100%, within the firm, yeah. you could have yeah, a different yeah. solicitor. Well, um, there's
1: one very specific conveyance we work with, isn't there, where yeah. we wouldn't work with anyone else in the in firm. firm yeah. than, and know. it is specifically about her. Yeah,
0: that conveyance. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd say that, instruct a good solicitor. Sometimes they may be more expensive. You're going to save yourself money in the long run.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, funnily enough, I've got um, a situation at the moment where a buyer, sorry, a vendor instructed a solicitor that I advise them against, oh, given yeah. the experience, you know, we we speak to these people all the time, um, because they were, ch- and literally, he told me at the time, I said to him, look, you're selling a leasehold property, you need a solicitor that's actually going to be able to deal with this for you properly. And the solicitor you're suggesting, I know, isn't going to do it properly. Oh, yeah. Lo and behold, we've got to the 11th hour, the, without boring kind of you to tears, it's a, they're doing a lease extension in the background. So, What they're doing is a section 42 notice is going to be served by our vendors and the benefit assigned to the new purchaser so and their solicitor has known about this for months okay (laughs) it's terms of the original agreement everybody's known about it for ages um the we need to exchange on it within the next three four days and the solicitor has the vendor solicitor has emailed the vendor to say, Oh, before you sign this notice, it needs to be checked by a leasehold specialist, uh, it's gonna be nine hundred quid.
0: Ridiculous. You gotta laugh, haven't you? Or you would cry. Yeah. You would.
1: So even when you look at the price, actually, the truth is for, for any solicitor who is doing it on the cheap, if there is one thing that takes up a little bit more time than the standard, which with leasehold properties in particular is almost a guarantee you're going to end up paying anyway. Yep. So you might as well go with the guys that are actually going to do it all properly um, in the first place. So yeah, I, I'm solicitor. yeah. I, I love a good solicitor, yeah. but it's so easy to fall into the trap of instructing. And it know, could be the it, difference between it going through or not. 100%. Finished. There there are without doubt sales that have been lost as a result of a specific solicitor's actions. Um, and and whether it's poor advice, no advice, no, no real interest in actually trying to support the... Um, the transaction because the one thing i would say one of those things that always comes backwards and forwards you know comes up for for debate is the whole the process in this country and the fact that your solicitor and surveyor get paid whether you buy it or not and whether you sell it or not yeah. so you know people talk about oh the agent is is only doing it so that the deal gets done well the truth is yeah absolutely but at least they're trying to make sure the deal happens yeah with the solicitor and the surveyor Truth be told, where where get, is their motivation? Well, they're paid get regardless. You some who
0: don't get, if you get like... You can a, get the insurance, insurance and yeah, stuff. And yeah, absolutely.
1: And and it's not fair to suggest that, you know, every <laughs> solicitor and surveyor is more than happy for a sale to fall through. But there is, I do think that there is a fundamental issue with the fact that they get paid whether it goes through or not um, in, yeah. in 19 cases out of 20, if not more. Um, so, yeah, you yeah. know, the estate agent isn't going to get paid unless it goes through. But at least, you know, they're going to put the effort into it. Uh, number three, I think uh, the mortgage side of things, just looking at specifically from the buyer's side now, um, if they can get their ducks lined up on the mortgage, that's really, really helpful. Um, we all know that you can't submit a mortgage application until you've found a property, but you can get in touch with a decent mortgage broker or your bank whatever process you go and actually get the ball rolling get to the point where you've got your illustration you've looked at you've chosen your lender um and actually you're you're pretty much there and then it's one of those ones that i don't understand why people don't do it straight away but as soon as the offer's accepted submit your mortgage application just yeah. get, it, get it done. Tick the box, you know, and move paperwork. on. Well, yeah, again, yeah, of course, it's paperwork once again. But also, at the end of the day, you're not buying that property until you've got the mortgage offer. So all, all, all the legals and all the rest of it and the survey, does it really matter if you're buying with a mortgage and you don't have a mortgage offer?
0: You, technically, you're not buying that property yet. I mean, more so now, more than ever. We had it a few months ago where there was a buyer and I was like, look, my advice to you is instantly get your mortgage submitted and as soon as you've got the draft contract get your searches out but get that mortgage submitted and they're like oh I'm just kind of like you know I can't think of what the right word is dilly dallying around Mm -hmm. like not doing anything waited 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 three weeks interest rates went up up. and I was like well I did did, I'm trying to give you some advice there we've had the exact same thing did tell you the exact
1: same thing and then the cheeky bastard has actually said oh as the rates have gone up I now need to drop the price I've offered oh of course yeah. yeah Uh, that's and more the individual isn't it i uh, just yeah. yeah you know we told him day one to submit the mortgage application didn't do it and now he's expecting the vendor to pay for it and i've kind of said to the vendor look it's it's not this isn't right yeah um she's agreed to give him a little bit just as a kind of goodwill gesture um and he's kind of come back and said oh, no i want the money because it's going to cost me more
0: but difficult that one well
1: I, yeah. I don't think it's that difficult He should have submitted his application we wouldn't be in this
0: Correct, yeah. um, I would say it kind of comes back to what you said about that Japanese Not we just be honest from the start. Anything that you think is going to come up, just let us know instantly. Look, if there is a HMO next door, most people know because you'd see like six doorbells. That's just an example. But, mm. you know, let us know that. You know, we're not going to walk in and do the viewing straight away, are we? And go like, HMO, HMO, HMO. But you would, you know, you'd speak to people. Once you know that they're interested, then you would get that information over to the buyer. Because, or, you know, if you had a noise complaint with a neighbor. We had one a couple of years ago where the guy had a noise complaint with a neighbor. Didn't tell us, wanted to just hide everything. Um, and, you know, it always comes out in the wash, doesn't it? Yep. And he, it turns out basically what had happened is his neighbor was a council tenant and he got on with the neighbor actually really well he just had a baby over a bank holiday weekend and the guy had a few mates round, and they just basically got on the drink for like three days straight our vendor had just had a newborn baby hadn't slept for three days and they were playing and he just lost his head mm. and had an argument with the guy next door made called the police made a noise complaint etc and then it came up and the buyer was like well You know, is it a dodgy neighbor? What's happened? I was like, if you'd have just told us that. It actually fell through over that. And then when we resold it, I was like, now we know that information. We're on with it. Done a new viewing, got a new buyer, told them straight away. And they was like, yeah, cool, whatever. It's not an issue. So I would always say just any issues like that, be honest from the start. And then if you've got a good agent, they will be able to explain that over to a buyer um, fairly comprehensively. Fine. Uh,
1: Number five is be prepared to put in the effort. Simple as that. You know, make the effort, get the paperwork filled in straight away. Return your protocol forms. Again, goes for both sides. For the buyer, instruct your solicitor, fill in their forms, get your IDs done. For the vendor, fill in their forms, get the IDs done, and actually be prepared to chase. You know, give them a call to get updates. How's it going? Have you sent that stuff over that I asked you to? What are we waiting for in terms of inquiries? You know, we with where everyone's working together, transactions go through in actually a really quick time. Um, there's a couple of properties we've got through recently in sort of six, seven weeks without without any issue. But it's because everybody's working together. You know, the buyer and the vendor are both on it, their sides. We're kind of managing things in the middle, and actually, it just works. It's and it's it makes everything so much simpler. Yeah,
0: so I'd agree. Quicker. Like or love it, all over, it's a massive thing, and it's going to be a massive part of your life. So you've got to invest that time into it. Um, well, I've got a friend recently. He just got his through in six weeks. It was a freehold out. He was selling a freehold. Mm-hmm. You know, his per his sale was a little bit more advanced, but he instructed a good solicitor, um, paid the money. He was all over them, the solicitor, the broker, the agent, just driving them all mad, literally, like, every other day. Just constantly going on at them. Got it through in six weeks. Um, So, yeah, I never really complained when people were constantly chasing us because I'm like, good, shows they're on it. I don't mind that at all. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, uh, next week we will be back for the final episode of the season, I think it is. Um, We'll be joined by Alex as well, who'd probably be nice and golden, or maybe not. Uh, And yeah, as always, thank you uh, for listening, joining in. We'll be back as a a trio uh, next week. And as always, please uh, like and subscribe.